This piece was brought to you by Roberta's. Roberta'spizza.com. Jacobs and I have with me John LaPola and you can find us on heritageradionetwork.org or um, on Stitcher, um, Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you find your good podcasts. We are here uh, at the sixth annual Pride of Brooklyn Homebrew Festival. Hi John, how are you doing? Hi Rachel, I'm good. This is a great time. How long have you been doing Pride of Brooklyn? Uh, every year, so this is our sixth year here. Yeah, we're, we love doing this event. It's really a lot of fun. Do you know how it started? No. I don't. I guess Casey wanted to do a homebrew <laughs> festival, and we said, yeah, we'll be there. All right. Uh, so what are you pouring? You're, you guys are non-competing, right? We're not competing. We're uh, pouring a full-time double dry hop IPA. It's part of our uh, monthly New York City Brewers series. So every month, a different brewery has given us a recipe um, of theirs that we can share with the homebrewing community. And this is number five in the series from Innerborough Brewing. So very generous to give us their recipe. We've had... a, a all the uh, local breweries have been really helpful with that. It's been a lot of fun. It's really great. All right, let's let's try it. All right. Any secrets about this particular brew? Hops. What kind? Uh, this is uh, Amarillo Centennial Citroen Mosaic. Oh my God! Four different kinds oh, of hops. All the hops. Uh, it's delicious. Real, real drinkable. It's a Northeast IPA. It was actually made by one of my beginning classes. <laughs> All right, let's try it. You ready? One, two, three, go. It is very drinkable. What do you think? I am not a huge fan of hops, but this one is an approachable, I would say. Sort of smoothed out the Amarillo hops. What is that thing? Is that a podcast? It's a, it's a microphone. Yeah, it's a mic. First of all, what is your name? I'm Kyle Janish, uh, and I got Mark Jensen and Laura Meckling with me. Uh, we're, we make up Overman beer. Do you mind if I ask you about what you have made for today? Yeah. So we brought, we brought four beers that were actually out of one. Uh, the one that we sold out of was a Rose Goza. It was a salty, go you know, normal German-style Goza, Himalayan sea salt, coriander, and then we aged in on rose petals. Really fragrant, beautiful. Um, then we have There in the Shadow, which is a double dry hopped IPA uh, with Citra, Mosaic, Equinot, and Azaka. Very floral, very citrusy, milky. We use a lot of wheat, white wheat. Then we have It Was, which is a dry hop Brett Goza. Uh, dry hop with Raquel, Mandarina Bavaria, Lemon Drop, and 100% uh, fermented out with Brett C. It gives it this nice pineapple-y taste, very acidic. And then an Ego Death is our Honey Saison. Heavier, 7%. Um, Lightly hopped, just a nice traditional saison. Very cool. Tell me a little bit about Overman beer. Uh, Overman is kind of the culmination of, of everything we've been working for. You know, uh, literally the name Overman, which in German is Ubermensch. Um, it's kind of you learn from all your past experiences. You uh, you uh, kind of developed along the way, and now you can kind of be this this thing, this entity that 
knows what it's doing and wants to push the best of what it can for the future. Um, so that's where Overman comes from, and uh, we think it's a direct reflection of what we're doing. So you guys are a contract brewing company? Yeah, we're working on it. We're actually talking with a couple breweries right now to contract. We went, we went out, visited the facilities, and um, you know, here we are. It's kind of like our final homebrew push into being a, an actual brewery, hopefully by the fall. Right now, we're looking in New Jersey. Um, it just seems to be more of a need there for what we're doing. Uh, we're open in New York, but um, we're really inter interested in New Jersey, and uh, we've spoken to some breweries there to contract brew, and uh, you know now it's just finding warehouse space and figuring out distribution and going from there. How long have you guys been brewing together? We've been brewing together, uh, Mark and I, um, for about four or five years. Uh, I personally have been brewing for seven or eight. Um, and my cousin owns a brewery in Hoboken called 902. So I've learned a lot from him. We've actually collabed and put out cans with my cousin. Uh, and now we're trying to make our own push to do it ourselves. Yeah. Very cool. Is this your first time at uh, Pride of Brooklyn? This is our first time at Pride of Brooklyn. We've done a lot of other competitions and um, really happy to be a part of this one. Casey's been awesome. The people here are great. The brewers all want to try each other's beer. You know, everyone's super excited. So uh, we're having fun. That's pretty cool. Having a brewed for that long, um, do you have any favorite brews that you've made? You know, honestly, for a long time, I loved making our IPAs, loved making our even more restrained styles, you know, a nice brown ale, nice as that. But we've really been diving into sours and doing, you know, lacto sours, PDO sours, long-term sours, kettle sours, whatever. And it's just been really interesting to us and, and, and we've been really exploring that as our medium, our preferred medium with beer. Um, just because you can do a lot more with it and age and temperatures, it can really geek out and do some fun stuff. Really cool. So we can be expecting to see you in some of our breweries in the future? Absolutely. We expect to have our beer out, hopefully by next year, uh, in kegs at some bars and in cans. For sure. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. My name is uh, Daniel Smythe. I'm pouring a um, New England IPA-ish. A little bit better than I wanted, but a it's an IPA, mostly a rock cow hops um, with a little bit of citrus mosaic, um, a little bit of wheat, a little bit of oats, a touch of caramel. But uh, overall, kind of an average IPA. Very exciting. So first of all, um, it says here that you are from Bentonhurst, Brooklyn, which is the most South Brooklyn I've seen here today. So thank you for representing. Are you from Bentonhurst originally? I mean, I just moved there uh, back in January. Originally, I'm from Miami. Um, so it's a new area to me still, but it's pretty cool, pretty chill area. How is the beer scene there? Uh, there really isn't much of a beer scene there. <laughs> well, you're making it happen. I hope. Uh, not, yeah, not little, little um, shops every once in a while, but no brewery, so not too interesting. So I used to live in Midwood, like right over the train tracks from Bensonhurst. I used to live on 2nd and M. Um, and I had a lot of room when I was there because it was like, do you have a lot of room for brewing? I do, yeah. 
Um, compared to most of the places I've seen on the north side of Brooklyn, I'm uh, pretty uh, blessed with a decent sized apartment uh, that I can have a few things going at the same time while having a kegerator and a fermentation chamber. So it's nice, yeah, it definitely helps. That's really cool. You're from Miami, you just moved recently. Is there a good brew scene there? Um, surprisingly, it's, it's getting better, but not really. Not, not even close to what's going on around here. Um, it's really cool. Like back in Miami, we had one homebrew club. Here, yeah, there's like four or five. Uh, there's constant homebrew festivals. You know, the, the past three weeks, I've been to one on every weekend. Uh, Miami, it's like once or twice a year that we get to do something. Um, and there's, there's the, home, the breweries are kind of scattered about. So it's a different scene. It's it's definitely it's it's happening, but it, you have to you have to look it out. You have to you have to find it, good stuff. Um, it's not like a, just a neighborhood brewery that you can just stroll into and, and get some good stuff. It's definitely different. This is your first homebrew competition in Brooklyn. Um, no, I did um, Saison Day last weekend. Um, also did Homebrew Alley, um, but yeah. Uh, I hope to do more. It's a lot of stiff competition around here, so it's uh, it's hard. A lot harder than Miami. It's quite a lot of homebrewers here, yeah. How are you liking this so far, though? It's great, yeah. The, the community, the people, really cool. Loving it so much. Ingredients-wise, is there a difference between being able to brew here versus brewing in Miami? Actually, the water is a lot better here. Water, um, yeah. yeah. It's a lot better for brewing, and it's a lot easier to brew with. Um, actually, and having colder water is nice. Uh, not like 80 degree out of the tap water. Helps cooling um, issues a lot, making it a lot easier. So it's nice, uh, but also having a good homebrew shop helps too. Uh, homebrew scene is pretty rough, and the shops only last a year or two. And it's hard to get fresh stuff from them, but the homebrew shop here is constantly moving stuff around, so that's nice. Well, can you tell me a little bit about what it is that you're pouring? So we're at the Homebrew Festival, and here we have um, Robin, who is a bartender at Owl Farm, a great craft beer bar. Awesome, thank you. I'm actually not the one who brewed this. My buddy Tim brewed it. But this is, uh, it's an American wheat beer using a Hefeweizen yeast strain, and he fermented it at lower temperatures to keep the clove and the banana flavors out of it. Hence the name, I didn't say banana off the bad joke, Orange, you're glad I didn't say banana. So the flavors are supposed to be, the banana flavors are supposed to be out of it? Yeah, because he, he brewed it at a lower temperature, or he fermented it at a lower temperature to keep those off flavors out. What's up, Rick? How you doing, man? It's you're using a German Hefeweizen yeast strain, but it's to make it a clean American wheat. Oh yeah, this doesn't taste like bananas even a little bit. No, not at all. I, I, I can't stop drinking it. So you made this I Didn't Say Bananas yeah. American Wheat. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Uh, it's a wheat beer, uh, dry hopped. Um, I fermented it clean with a German Hefeweizen yeast, um, which usually kicks off a lot of like clove or bananas. So I fermented it close to lager temperature to keep it clean and dry hop, give it a punch with like citrus hops. So it's a kind of a, a pun on the orange. I didn't, orange glad I didn't say banana. So yeah. Kind of a session IPA, but with Hefeweizen yeast. I don't taste the bananas at all, so no, what, what did you add? That bananas are added for what purpose? No, bananas are an ester kicked off from the Hefeweizen yeast. And I 
eliminated that. Oh, there's a flavor of bananas. There's no bananas in there. Yeah, it's an ester that the yeast kicks off. Oh, okay. okay. That depends on the temperature you ferment at. Yeah. Uh, Have you done Pride of Brooklyn before? Yeah, this is my, like, fourth time doing it. Yeah. Is this the favorite beer that you've made for it? No. uh, I've done... done, I do something different every year. Uh, This is just kind of an experiment. I wanted to see if I could make an IPA with German wheat beer yeast. Yeah. I think it's pretty successful. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy with the results. Well, how long have you been homebrewing for? Uh, close to 10 years. What's your favorite style to make? I like to do, I, I, I focus a lot on hoppy beers. I do a lot of like clean ferment, hoppy IPAs, stouts. During the winter I do a lot of like big imperial beers like Belgian quads, triples. What is the weirdest ingredient you've ever added to a ferment or a beer? Probably peanut butter. Straight up peanut butter? Yeah, I did a peanut butter porter uh, with marshmallow and graham crackers. I did a, a, a s'more porter called the Smorter. How do you add marshmallows to a beer? Uh, they went right into the boil. Yeah. It's just sugar. They just dissolve? Sugar and gelatin. They just dissolved? Yeah, it just dissolved, yeah. And then I put in the fermenter, I added the chocolate and the graham cracker. I made, I kind of like baked a chocolate graham cracker like cake and then like crushed it up and put in the fermenter. And did it taste like s'mores? It did. Maybe next year I'll do that again. I don't know. That it, sounds it's, great. It's it's a little weird, yes. Especially with the weather we've it's, been having. It's, it's a bit messy to make and a bit involved. Do you want to try something weird that my homebrew club made? Absolutely. This is a collab that my homebrew club made. We're called the Broodies. It's a smoked porter that we aged in Van Brunt whiskey barrels. Um, it got some like funk from Brett in the barrel, but we were pretty happy with it. Okay. We meet, we meet uh, once a month at a Strong Road Brewery right down the block here. You like whiskey. What do you think? I'm into that. I mean, oh my I've, god, it's right? It's kind of kind of funky. Yeah, it, it reminds me of like a more mild uh, Rausch beer, um, almost. We weren't we weren't counting on the Brett to be there, and it was, you know, you don't get much of the whiskey character because we've put a few beers in this barrel already, but you get some of the oak still and the Brett character. It tastes like meat. It's like meat. That's that's the Brett giving you meat. It tastes like meat. I'm Rob Newhouse. Are you from any homebrew clubs? Yeah, I'm in the Bruminaries. Well, tell me what you got, what uh, beer you got for us today. Yeah, so I've got a blackberry sour beer. It's a blend of like an old, like year old uh, sour beer that's in my parents' basement uh, that got really sour. And then I blend it with a, a fruited black currant, like non-sour beer. So it kind of has a nice balance, kind of approachable. Yeah. How long have you been making sours? Uh, like two years. All right, yeah, can I try it? Very purple. That's probably enough. It's gonna be a long day. <laughs> this is a really good combo. Kind of tastes like a jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of got jammy. Yeah, I, I'm with it. So, you usually, do you like to make a lot of sours? Yeah, I can show you a picture. It's a little crazy. Um, yeah. So this is this is my parents' basement in New Jersey, and that's 100 gallons of sour beer. Each of those like is five gallons. Okay. Oh my God. That's pretty crazy. They're all sours. They're all sours, yeah. 
the Bruminaries doesn't just make sours, though. No, no, no. Brumies make whatever they want to make. Some, some, there's a few really good uh, sour beer brewers in the Bruminaries. What was the first sour beer that you made? Um, I made like a kettle sour beer with uh, peaches or apricots or something a few years ago. Uh, but like the, the, those are like sort of fast turnaround. This one, or at least half of this beer, took a while to age. How long was it aged for? It's like a, a year old. What is the second beer here? Is that yours? Oh, that's the other guy's. What is that? Um, this is a passion fruit IPA. This is super fresh. This is only 13 days old. What's the What's the ABV on that? Like maybe eight percent. Really high. Uh, is this the first time you've been um, at Pride of Brooklyn, or do you come often? Um, I've actually been in this venue like six months ago for another kind of homebrew share. Uh, yeah. Have a Pride of Brooklyn though. Uh, oh, Pride of, Pride of Brooklyn. This is my first Pride of Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool, yeah. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. All right, we are Pride of Brooklyn, and it looks like we're going to try something called Beautiful soul. Um, hello, what's your name and what um, are you pouring? Uh, my name is Dave Martin. I'm pouring Beautiful Soul, which is a white wine barrel aged saison matured on strawberries. You say with strawberries? Strawberries, yep, all fresh. So, um, how long have you been brewing for? Uh, close to 10 years, actually. Is this your first time at Pride of Brooklyn? Uh, second year. So, I was here last year and this year as well. What have people been saying about your beer? So it's very unique. Uh, I don't think many people bring barrel-aged, uh, especially wine barrel-aged saisons. So I think the reception's very well so far. Where do you get wine barrels from? So I source barrels from like a barrel company out in Pennsylvania. The barrel originally started as a rye whiskey barrel and once it went neutral, I poured a bunch of wine in it and tilted it every day for a month until it was completely soaked through. Unfortunately, um, wine barrels for a home brewer just really aren't available. So I decided to be innovative and make my own. Let's try this beer. Oh man, all right, thank you. Oh my God, you have a lot of tokens. People really like, is that you? Yeah, I don't know where to just compare to everyone else. So uh, for listeners, um, they gave us three bottle caps to vote for our favorites, and there are a lot of bottle caps in the Beautiful Soul one. It's very clean, very drinkable. It's like very good for a nice warm day like today. Super dry. I don't want you to drink one of them. I want you to drink them over and over and over. So. You've been brewing for 10 years. What is the weirdest ingredient you've ever used in a, in a brew? Weirdest ingredient would probably be uh, butterfly pea flour, which is a flour out of Thailand. Which once the pH of the beer basically hits below 4, it goes from an effervescent blue to an effervescent purple. So I brewed uh, basically a very purple sour. I know that flower. Um, yeah, it makes everything bright. I've had kombucha with it in it, and it's like a very lovely flavor. But it was like a bright purple. Exactly. So I really got the idea from uh, the kombucha industry, which I do a lot of, uh, like, basically R&D. Rachel Zeiss and George Zeiss, and we brewed a Pilsner for today. Anything special about the Pilsner? Anything special about it? No. <laughs> Just wanted a nice, drinkable, straightforward Pilsner. <laughs> Are you here representing any homebrew groups? 
Yes, uh, we are part of the Bruminaries Homebrew Club, uh, one of New York City's largest homebrew clubs. We have about, I think, 10 members pouring here today, which is on average each year. Um, yeah, we have about like 130 members, so we, we tend to dominate uh, beer events. <laughs> I already talked to one other one, and we've talked to three people, so like, all right, that's pretty great. There, three over there, a couple on the, in front of the stage, three or four on top of the stage, so we're everywhere. So when did you brew this? When did we brew it? When did we brew? About two months ago. It's been sitting and lagering for a while, taking up fermenter space. <laughs> did you pour here last year? Yes, we did, and we brewed a coffee kolsch, and that was really good. <laughs> How long have you been doing Pride of Brooklyn? This is only our second year. We attended two years ago, um, but we had all of our, a lot of brewmies were there as well, so it's a really great event to get a, lot, a big variety of homebrewers from all the different clubs all over the city. Um, it's really fun to see so many different people gathering for this event. You're not the only lady here, I hope, right? No, certainly not. We have uh, Carrie Brewing, who is pouring her beer. She's off with her parents, but Colleen, also a member, is pouring for her. We have a few others. I can't really remember. Oh, Tara, who's an, also an officer. We have a few members who are supporting. So, like, Lisa Horn is here supporting her husband, Matt. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of good, a lot of friends supporting everyone, which is great. Like everyone is really friendly here. Does that you think that sets it apart from other homebrew festivals? I think it does. I think it's uh, it's you know there's a competition aspect, but it's really just people being proud of Brooklyn and their homebrewing abilities, and it's, it's just a really great place to uh, to gather and see everyone again. This is this is how we socialize and hang out at homebrew events, basically. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, so, what made you decide to make a pilsner for this event? I think George was just like, we should do a Pilsner. Is that? <laughs> yeah, we haven't done one in a while, so we thought it'd be fun to, you know, it was also, we, you know, this is our eighth event in the last 10 weeks. Uh, so to let this just sit in the fermenter for a while uh, sounded good, but then we realized it took up a lot of space in our fermenter, so. <laughs> let's, uh, oh yeah, let's try it. Yeah, we should. We should try. It's very nice. I know you don't really particularly like Pilsners. It's not as skunky as they usually are. Actually, it's not skunky at all. What do you think? It's weird. It almost has a bit of a herbal or floral note at the end. Yeah, yeah. we didn't add anything to it. We think it's just the uh, the, the yeast. We're, it's our collaboration with the yeast, I guess. <laughs> what kind of yeast? Uh, it was, I don't remember, but then we had to do a blend. It was a, a blend of S23 and Czech Pills yeast because uh, the homebrew shop ran out of one of them, so. <laughs> it's okay, this is, we're all just home brewers. It's all about improvising and thinking on your feet, so whatever happens, happens. <laughs> My name is Paul Stellato. Uh, I brewed a, um, a Saison, it's an old Brett fermentation Saison, um, with spelt and wheat, and basically just kind of like a nod on like the old style of Saison. Um, and uh, I added a little bit of American hops to it, Amarillo hops. Yeah, Amarillo Hops. Yeah. Can you sing me the name of this uh, Saison? I can't sing you the name, but it's called Can I Borrow a Feeling, obviously by Kurt Van Houten. Yeah. <laughs> is this your first time at um, Pride of Brooklyn? No, this is my second or third year at Pride of Brooklyn. So, love coming here. It's one of my favorite homebrew festivals all year. What sets it apart, do you think, from other homebrew festivals? 
the most important thing. Um, I just, the, the people that come in, you know, the feedback you get, you know, just sharing beer with people that, you know, don't really get to try um, anything kind of obscure or anything different or new. And um, I think it's just fun to see people's reaction and uh, just kind of spread it, you know, spread the love around. What, uh, what style of beer do you usually make? I do everything from like IPAs, stouts. Um, I like my long-term sour program, um, but I love Saison's because it's easy to do in the summer when it gets warm, but I like everything. You know, who doesn't love every beer? <laughs> and you've been brewing for how long? I think almost 10 years, probably. Eight years, 10 years, something like that. Yeah. My name is Carrie Soam, and I'm pouring a blueberry pomegranate kettle sour today. Very cool. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about how you made it? Um, so I came up with this recipe when I did uh, homebrew tours a couple months ago, and it was kind of just an improvisation where I made a big, a big batch, and I split it, and I soured half of it. And everyone at the tours really loved it, and I kicked my keg in about 45 minutes. Uh, and so I ended up, I hadn't decided what to brew for this event yet, so I kind of just had to recreate that. It was, I kind of had made it on the fly, kind of an experimentation. So fortunately, I could remember everything that I had put into it, uh, so I could just remake it for this. It was made for what? Homebrew tours. What is that? So it's this thing, it was originated by Josh Bernstein, who has a book coming out tomorrow. Uh, and then uh, one of our Bruminaries uh, people, Sherry Jewhurst, has taken over it. And so she uh, leads people on a tour of various homebrewers' apartments. So different homebrewers sign up for it. We brew a couple beers, and then 30 or so strangers buy tickets to our apartments. And they come over and they drink beer and we talk about how we make it and we talk about our inspirations and our processes um, and they get a whole bunch of beer. So you just, it's a great way to have 30 drunk strangers in your apartment, uh, but it really shows you like the limits of your apartment capacity and it's fun. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, a nice way to test it out because I had made this beer and I was like, it's okay, I guess. And then everyone really liked it, which was a fun surprise. So this is, a, this is kind of a thing that you were like, we'll see how it goes. What's your favorite beer that you've ever made? Um, I really like making saisons with fruit in them. Uh, so I've made like, uh, I think my favorite was probably a saison I made that I put red currants and black currants into. So it came out kind of bright pink, real tart. Um, and so that, that's probably the best one. So you like using fruit in your beers a lot? Yeah, I, I, I like to make beers that I can't buy because technically, like I don't, I'm not a good technician in terms of making classic styles, so I kind of like to make things that are fun. How long have you been brewing for Pride of Brooklyn? Uh, this is my first year brewing for Pride of Brooklyn. I came last year, uh, I'm in Bruminaries, and so I was helping out a fellow Bruminary last year, uh, helping him serve, and so this is my first year brewing for it. There are like eight Bruminaries here, is that right? It might be like 12 or 13. There's a, there's a lot of us. My name is Leo Gill on behalf of John Sirluco, and I'm pouring his common chameleon, the California common. What is a California common? Well, normally I would say, I'd plead stupidity and say, I don't know what a California common is, but that's not a good thing. California common is a variation of a steam beer. It is a kind of a malty, slightly bitter, slightly hoppy beer. They're lager yeast that are fermented at a higher temperature, and they are darn good. Would you like oh my to goodness, I would absolutely love to try some. May I have your glass? For something called California Common, this is the first time I've ever like encountered something like this. Have you ever had a California Common before? 
Uh, yeah, Anchor Bar makes a couple. Anchor uh, Brewing makes a couple of them. Schlafly makes a couple of them. Um, they're very reminiscent of a hoppy version of kind of like a German malty beer, like something that you would drink it like. So yeah, it's kind of like that. But I know Schlafly Anchor they make some. If you've ever had a steam beer, they're not too dissimilar to that. I've never had a steam beer. Neither have I. I am going by Wikipedia right now. Well, so you're part of the Brewmanaries, as although this is not your beer, um, how long have you yourself been brewing for? Uh, I will have to say that I've brewed maybe two, collaborated on two, three beers. I am not home nearly enough to brew a, a beer. I would like to brew one soon, but quite frankly, I am not a homebody. But I do very much enjoy taking part in a lot of the Brewmanaries projects, and that is why I'm a Brewmanary, because I love them and they're awesome. I've made a wheat beer, I made an amber, and I believe I had a little bit of a, whole, a part in making a coffee stout. Uh, my name is Matt Horn. I'm pouring a farmhouse saison with nectarines. Lisa Horn, his wife. All right, great. So, can you tell me a little bit about how you made this farmhouse saison with nectarines? Uh, so, it's, it's a pretty simple malt base, uh, and then I fermented it with uh, a mixed culture that I've gathered from other farmhouse producers. I've cultured the yeast, so it's, it's got a nice like funkiness and tartness. And then uh, added the, the nectarines, and they've, they were sitting in the beer for about six weeks. Um, yeah, so what, what you come up with is a nice, like, a nice tart, but still pretty sweet, balanced, uh, um, yeast-forward beer. Oh, whoa. That's like more of a, that's like a very, that's sour. Yeah, it's got a it's got a nice tartness to it because um, there's bacteria in the mixed culture, so that's what makes it makes it sour. Sort of like the same bacteria that sours yogurt. That's really great. Did you try any like um, other kinds of recipes with this or any other like ingredients? Yeah. So the last time I did this like this kind of recipe, I used uh, a pluot, which was uh, it's a, a hybrid fruit between a plum and an apricot. Um, yeah. And I, that one, I won a, a contest at the Randolph back in February with that beer. Oh, at Randolph Brewing up in Dumbo? In Dumbo, yeah. So I, I got to brew that beer on their system, seven barrels worth. So it should be ready in the next couple of weeks. Do you get, like, money from that? Because they're like, a, they're like a, a tap room, right? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, the prize was to be able to brew it, which is an awesome prize for a home brewer. And then um, they give, they're going to give me a $100 bar tab for the release party. That's pretty awesome. So this is, is this your first Pride of Brooklyn? Uh, I would also poured last year. This is my second. What did you make last year? Uh, I made a Gosa, which is like another sour beer with like some salt, uh, but added guava to it. That sounds really great. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like tropical. I called it Guava Bay because it had salt in it. So it was, it was interesting. So you're part of the Brewmanaries, as shown by your t-shirt. How long have you personally been brewing for? Uh, I've been brewing for about five years. I've been a member of the Brewmanaries for like two and a half years or so. What's your favorite thing that he's ever brewed? I really like this beer today. I feel like it's all I've been drinking. I haven't even ventured out. It's pretty good, yeah. Uh, my name is uh, Andy Kang. I'm pouring citrus babam. It's a citrus wheat. Yeah. I love that you seem to have just come up with the name today. Uh, yeah, I, I submitted my name a little late, so uh, the... Uh, the cards have already been printed, and so it was a little late, but yeah. Are you representing any homebrew clubs? Uh, no, no, I'm just kind of on my own right now, yeah. Very cool. All right, can you tell me a little bit about what you've made? Uh, yeah, it's a citrus wheat beer. Um, I zested um, two different kinds of grapefruit, a bunch of oranges, lemons, uh, limes, um, added them all to the Whirlpool, and um, 
yeah, it's a, it's a pretty refreshing summer beer. How long have you been brewing for? Uh, I've been brewing on and off for maybe six, seven years now. What's your favorite thing that you've ever brewed? Uh, I made a, a Goza. Um, I actually had it at Pride of Brooklyn a few, two years ago. Um, but that's uh, kind of a beer that I can always go to. It, yeah, it's, uh, I think it comes out great all the time, yeah. Um, so is there anything different about this beer that like you've never made before, or that like an ingredient you've never used before or something? Uh, it's my first time really uh, brewing with zest. So I zested all the fruits and it's kind of my first time really, uh, yeah, just kind of using zest in, in this kind of way. There's like a lot more um, like citric acid in that or something. Yeah, well, so it's not really sour or tart at all, but there's a lot of citrus flavors and like aromatics that are in the beer. Let me, let me try it. I'm excited. Oh, so we're pouring from bottles here. I really taste the wheat. My name is Zach Gonzalez-Resquitz, and I'm pouring bottomless breadsticks. It's a dry-hopped bread saison. That sounds amazing. Can you tell me a little bit how, about how you made it? Yeah, so I just had an idea to brew a bread saison, and uh, so I did as much, and I let it sit around for as long as possible. Um, I actually wasn't going to pour this today, but I couldn't find the time to brew anything else, so I, I, I just threw it in a keg with some hops, dry hopped it with a little bit of Medusa and Galaxy, and it uh, turned out alright. It's a little bit of, little, little funky, a little fruity uh, with the, from the hops, so yeah, I think it turned out alright. How long is for as long as possible? Uh, this, uh, I brewed it mid-December, so four and a half months, about, I think. Yeah. It's pretty good age. All right. So let's try this thing. So what's the inspiration for the name? Uh, so I was doing work in a, in a room with a bunch of my friends, and I, I was trying to think up of a name. So I, I posed it to the group, what to name the beer. And my buddy just shouted out bottomless breadsticks, and it was too good to pass up. So in that instant, I decided that that was the name of the beer. So even though this is like kind of ad hoc beer, this is like really creamy and like really drinkable and like has a very nice mouth feel. I'm glad, yeah, it's, uh, I think I use a lot of wheat in it, a lot of flaked wheat as well, up that protein content. And it didn't dry out a ton like a, a normal Saison would, so there's a little bit of body from uh, residual sugars. It also doesn't really taste dry hopped. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's interesting because it, it, it kind of goes back and forth. I, parts of the keg taste like almost too much hops. But now it's mellowed out a lot, so, um, uh, you know, it is what it is. Can't control everything. <laughs> Wish there was a little more hop character to it, but what can you do? As a, per as a fan of wheat beers, I really like this, so it's very good. Hey, Alex Kelf, I'm pouring a Peach Cobbler Gosa. Yeah, so it's, um, I brewed a base kind of Gosa with like a key lime before, so I wanted to do like a little bit of a peach kind of spin on it. So it's a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of uh, nutmeg and cinnamon in there, a little bit of kind of oat base of it. Um, so sweet, sour. There wasn't a lot of peach in the base beer, so I'm actually randling it through some extra peaches in addition. Wait, what? Explain that process. So uh, a randall is just a container that has two and a half pounds of peaches that I'm pouring the beer through. That's nuts. So it's not peach season. I know that we're in America, we get peaches whenever we want, but like, so what kind of peaches and where are they from? Uh, frozen peaches. 
season. So they're, everybody I've talked to, fresh is obviously better. Um, I had the idea in my head. Frozen peaches were accessible, so I used those. Um, I, I, th I enjoyed it. I think it came out well. When do you add the peaches in the process? So I added about 10 pounds of peaches as the fermentation was dying down. Um, and they fermented sort of, I fermented out more or less. You get a little bit of kind of generic sweetness. Um, but having kind of more fresh peach flavor is actually really hard to get in a beer. So that's just why I use the Randall and add a little bit more of extra peach. Very cool. Um, 10 pounds of peaches and how big of a batch? And how big of a batch was the 10 pounds? Six gallons. Six gallons. Wow. Two pounds a gallon. God. So like, I talked to friends in the commercial side of it, and you're like, that's how much you need to get the flavor in there. So you need to use a lot because it's a subtle fruit. I'm thinking a lot about uh, Magic Hat number nine, which is made with apricots. That's funny. Like, some people have said the best peach beer they've had is brewed with apricots. That's spectacular. Yeah, no, I'm happy to enjoy it. Is there any, like, graham or anything in there? There's, like, almost, like, this sweet breadiness. Golden Naked Oats, it's a type of grain kind of in there. It's a little bit more of, like, a crusty note. And there's a little bit of a special bee. So, like, the base grains, it's it's more like sort of Pilsner and a little bit of Golden Promise. But I don't want to add spice. It's just a little bit of a kind of a crust note to it. It's really, really good. I'm giving you a vote, actually. It's really good. Um, so how long have you been doing Pride of Brooklyn? So this is the fifth year I've done this. So I missed the first year, this is the fifth year I've done it. So one of the old Grizzle veterans, I guess, at this point. I brewed a lot of different styles. I think last year I brewed a double, uh, double IPL. I've done Imperial Stouts, I've done a lot of different styles. So I brew a little bit of everything. I'm not like focused on one style specifically. Um, but a Kettle Sour is a little different, I like it. This is really great and like really different from like a lot of the other stuff I've had here today. So um, how long have you been brewing for? About five years. How? What's your favorite thing that you've ever brewed? I know, loaded question. Which is my favorite children? How dare you? No, um, it depends. I mean, I, I always try to brew very seasonally, like what I like to drink in this, like, you know, that time of year. Um, I love key lime as a dessert. I made a key lime pie sort of beer. It's not too different than this base south. Last year at a, up in Gun Hill, an event, I really enjoyed that. That was really good. Um, I like basic pilsners, and so, I don't know if I can pick one favorite sort of beer, but I would say for anybody, like brewing seasonally is a really cool thing, and I really enjoy that. Um, so I'd say the Key Lime beer are just a basic kind of pilsners I've had in the house. My name is Brian Pope of Pope Wagon. I am pouring an IPL, a.k.a. the Fool's Dilemma, because most people are looking for an IPA. So. Can you tell me a little bit about how you made this? Oh, we uh, brew it in our basement. Uh, <laughs> it is... Yeah, it's 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 a basic like IPA formula with uh, a lager yeast, so you get a nice clean, crisp flavor with a lot of hoppiness. How long have you been doing Pride of Brooklyn? This is actually oh god, don't quote me. Uh, four four years, I feel. I feel the first year we were here, we won, uh, came in second with our black IPA, uh, Black Widow. Uh, but we've been doing this for like three or four years now. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun, so I enjoy it. Based in Queens, though. Yes, we are. I was born in Glendale, Queens, right down the block from Finback Brewery, which is a great brewery. Um, and then about two years ago, my buddy Chuck, he wanted to get into brewing, and I've been doing it for about a couple years. And we uh, took off, and now we brew 10, 10 gallons right now. Um, we brew a lot of beer. So now, not only is this beer here for you guys, but we, we're going to go home and drink our own five gallons, you know. Let's try this beer. Oh, it's self-serve? It's self-serve. Just a little. A little. That's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. 
It smells really nice. Yeah, you're gonna get like a nice cleaner flavor and like what I've been saying it's kind of like it's like a, a Bud Light with a, a shit ton of hops if you don't part of my French but it, it's a lot of hoppy flavor on top of a, a Pilsner base so we're, we're going for like it's a hoppy Bud Light <laughs> it might not, light, you know so I'm not a fan of IPAs so much but like this is very nice it makes it, it, makes it a little bit more drinkable than an IPA IPA is a little bit more malty heavy and the IPA uh, the lager cleans it up and makes it a little bit less malt heavy which is the technical terms, but yeah, it's a little less bready. Um, how long have you been brewing for? Personally, I've been brewing for about, I'm gonna say 10 years now. I started with wheat, wheat beers and then grew out of there and tried, we tried to do crazy random spicy beers. This is more of a tame beer for us. We just wanted to make something that people like and drink, so. This may be a loaded question, but what's, the, what's your favorite thing that you've ever brewed? Favorite thing I've brewed? Oh, oh, geez, that's a that's a. I uh, I personally like high alcohol beers, so we've brewed a barley one in the past that came out about like 10% as my favorite. Uh, I like a little fruity spiciness. We make a a root beer style beer, so we use a lot of the wintergreen, like a lot of spices that go into a root beer, but we use it for a beer. So it's a root beer styled beer. Uh, it's hard to explain. That's one of my favorite. I like I like weird weird beers. That's just me. <laughs> I want something that you want to taste and taste it once and have an experience. And like I don't know how to put it. Ballast Point makes a, a red velvet cake, well, which is like really good. It's on nitro, but it tastes like red velvet cake if you're drinking a beer. I like that weirdness. I like that that, that like I know you can't drink a lot of them, but I love it. It's so weird. It's so good. And that that's my beer style. Weird and good. Have you ever thought of making like a dessert beer then? We, we have made like a chocolate orange we, porter, which was pretty good. Uh, we've done, I want to do a thin mint style beer, which is like a chocolate oatmeal stout with uh, mint flavors and extract in it. Um, I, I always do, we, we've done like Moscow mules. Uh, we did ginger a ginger beer with like mint and lime flavors in it just to like boost it. So yeah, we definitely do. We do. We we made a mosquito beer is what we called it, but it's basically a mojito beer, where we took mint, lime juice, and all that other shit. So we like weird shit. Right. Hi, I'm Tara Hankinson. My brewery is East Ales. I'm pouring an American Pale Ale. It's 5.5 percent. Very easy to drink. Like you want to drink it on the beach. Um, hop, dry hopped with mosaic and galaxy, so citrusy, tropical fruits. Your friends who don't like beer will definitely like this beer. And your friends who like wine will also love this beer. It's definitely very drinkable, very light taste, it's very nice. Can you tell me a little bit how you made this and what made you, like, what was your inspiration for making this? Sure, so I live in Manhattan. My kitchen is probably 12 square feet wide. I have an entire coat closet divided, uh, devoted to all grain brewing, so it's very challenging to brew, but I care a lot about introducing people to beer. People who wouldn't normally like beer, who wouldn't normally buy a six pack, I want to convert them from like cider or wine. I want to make people comfortable drinking beer and feel like they can drink beer at any time, at any moment, and this, that this beer particularly, which is called Beach Towel Pale Ale, 
um, will be a beer that they can bring from any occasion and to their friends, for example, who don't drink beer. How long have you been doing the uh, festival? So this is my first year at Pride of Brooklyn. I am the events officer for Bruminaries, which is a homebrew club out of Brooklyn. Um, I've worked in the wine industry and I worked at Wolfer Estate, which produces both wine and cider. And that was really the aha moment for me where I realized that um, there are a lot of women in wine and in cider, but that there are not that many women in beer. And I wanted to represent that voice that is not necessarily the stereotypical beer bro. So I'm trying to bring a more gender neutral voice to beer, a more progressive, modern aesthetic to beer. And I express that via both the flavors of my beer, which are very approachable, which anyone can drink, any gender, any occasion, but also the branding on my beer, which is very gender neutral, very modern, contemporary, and very clean. So that's um, the space that I think exists in the beer market, is looking for someone who can address the same people who want to you know, have a beautiful, clean home, who want to have a beautiful, tasteful drink. Uh, I think that beer can be that for them. I just want to insert myself into that market. That's really excellent. I'm really happy with the turnout. I think there are so many women here. There are so many people who don't know beer that well, which is really exciting because we get to actually meet people and share our identity in the beer market with people. It's not just women. We need more people of color. We need more people from diverse backgrounds. Like I know wine and that's what's inspired me, but we need people from all over and that's like when you look at the beer market, you see people walking into a bodega and buying a six pack. I want to be representative of those people. And we're so far from that, but I feel like this is one step in the right direction. Like having you here, having women tasting beer, we're working really hard to make this happen. My name is Matt Federico. I'm also brewing with Andrew Berman. This is uh, Spelt IPA. That's brilliant enough. Thank you. We need six small pours for the judges, please. How many judges do we have here today? We have five judges. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you have made today? Sure. So it's 6.3% ABV. We used 30% Spelt, which we feel adds um, more body and a little bit a rounder mouthfeel to it, which which we enjoy. The hops were Vic Secret, Heel Melon, and Citra. Where do you source your hops from? We like to get as much as we can from Bitter Nesters, the local homebrew shop, but when we can't find something, when we'll go online. How long have you been brewing for? For a little over five years. And um, is this your first time at Pride of Brooklyn? No, this is our third year. Um, we really enjoy this this uh, event and competition. Uh, you get a bunch of different people in from all over the city, and it's just great to try a bunch of different homebrews. What's your favorite thing that you've ever made for this uh, competition? Ooh, uh, I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago, we did a, a sour cherry beer. Uh, it got honorable mention, but uh, it was something we had sat on for over a year, and we thought it turned out really great with the fruit character, balancing out the acidity and uh, the funk from uh, the bugs we used in our barrel. This is a very classic IPA. I don't really taste any difference between like a wheat or a barley and a spelt. 
So our, our whole goal is to make a, a really balanced beer, whether not too much hops, not too not too bitter. Um, so it's we just try to make something really balanced and flavorful, and not going towards the extremes. Something really nice, drinkable that people will hopefully uh, remember. Uh, my name is Kevin Body, and I'm pouring an IPA served on nitro today. Hey, nitro? Yes. On nitro. Goodness. Well, maybe you just decided to go nitro. Uh, it just helps smooth out the, the beer. Um, there's a lot of hops in the beer, but it doesn't come across and punch you in the face with hops. So it's, it's, an, it's an American IPA. Uh, how much hops did you use? And also, like, you know, per gallon. There's still eight ounces of hops in the keg right now. Quite a lot. All right, let's let's try a little bit of it. Apparently, so tell me a little bit about how you made this, aside from there being hops in the keg. Uh, um, I was home uh, from work on a snow day a few weeks ago, and my son's nanny couldn't make it in either, so I said, hey, why not? Let's brew a beer. So we checked what grains we had in the closet and what hops and yeast we had in the fridge and decided to make an IPA. And it came out pretty well. Super clean and like I don't really love IPAs, but like this isn't bitter or like uncomfortable in any way. Like this is really nice. This is very drinkable. Thank you very much. Yeah, the nitro definitely helps smooth everything out. It doesn't taste like a 7.2% beer. It does not. How long have you been uh, brewing for? Uh, about four years. Um, started at Bitter Nesters, took a class there, and then been brewing ever since. It was a gift from my wife. I don't think she knew what she got herself into. No, is your closet now full of carboys? Uh, no, I'm only allowed to have one fermenter, and everything has to fit in a very small closet. <laughs> so. Was it a snow day a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I think three or four weeks ago. It was on a Wednesday. Yeah, it was another nor'easter on a Wednesday, and I don't think it was even that bad, but work was canceled already, so I was like, hey, let's make something fun. You know? That's a pretty good use of time. Yeah, thank you. As long as I have the house cleaned up before my wife gets home from work, I'm usually okay. <laughs> so you're like, um, as many um, Brooklyn brewers are, you are like uh, short on space. So what's your favorite thing that you've ever brewed? Favorite thing I've ever brewed was actually for Pride two years ago. I brewed a double IPA, a double black IPA. Um, that came out really well. It's still my favorite beer that I've ever made. I'm Frank. Uh we have a little uh, homebrew club in West Babylon, and what we brewed today was a Maya Lemon IPA, which was an imperial IPA, which we aged for a month on Maya Lemons, which are like sweeter than lemon, not too sour, but it balances out the hoppiness of the beer and the alcohol, so it's very smooth still, but it's a very hoppy and very aggressive beer. It's very nice. Have you tried any? I'm going to try it right now. That doesn't smell like lemon. Very nice. It's very clean. You have that subtle lemon flavor in the background. What's the name of your homebrew club in uh, West Babylon? Uh, Collect the Gales. How long have you guys been around for? Uh, probably uh, like uh, uh, only two years now. We're just starting up the club. It's just in the beginning of it. Yeah. How was the homebrew scene on Long Island? It's good. Uh, a lot of people are uh, brewing stuff, but uh, I wish we had some more uh, 
like Brooklyn, I feel like where there's a lot of places that you can get some good craft beer, but like Long Island, uh, out east particular, it's very hard to get the kind of stuff we're getting here today. You also have a lot more room than people in Brooklyn, I imagine. Yes, yes absolutely, absolutely. How long have you been brewing for? Uh, about 10 years now. Do you have a favorite beer that you've made? That I've made personally, uh, I like uh, spicy beer. Uh, we make a, uh, a, a hot pepper stout, and that's one of my favorite uh, that we do. Made with what kind of pepper? Uh, Carolina Reapers. Shit. Uh, it's a very strong stout, and it's thick, so it's like 10%, so the alcohol and the thickness of the stout kind of balances out the heat. It's, it's actually not that bad. You'd be surprised. It, it, it's good, though. It gets your blood flowing. Like It's a, it's a nice, like uh, spicy stout. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. I am not a fan of uh, extremely spicy things, but uh, that sounds pretty good. How have you been enjoying the festival so far? It's an excellent festival. I love this place. Uh, Littlefield always does a very good job. Uh, Casey always does a very good job putting together the homebrew festival. Everybody's beer here is very good. I'm sure you've tried a lot of it. It's all very good stuff. So, yeah. so we are Brewery 129, uh, and we're brewing a red ale with pumpkin. And what's it called? It's called Gonzo's Red Nips. So, can you tell me a little bit about how you made it? Yeah, I'm going to let the brewmaster do that for you. So we, uh, it was a 10-gallon batch um, with a variety of different uh malts and you know whatnot uh we uh, made sure we used pumpkin puree in the mash when we mashed out which is really tough to do because it typically gets stuck so you have to allow a small mash out process um and then we used uh, cinnamon nutmeg a little bit of clove ginger your standard pump seasoning pumpkin seasonings to get that spicy flavor that people really look for in a good pumpkin beer so you guys just won um, the audience People's Choice. How do you feel? feel amazing. I've been doing this for five years now here, and to win finally People's Choice for the first time is an incredible honor. Yep. I'm really excited about that. You know, you know what we figured out is that people love the fall. People love October. People love plaid shirts and scarves. People love wood fires. People love log cabins, and we made a beer for that. I also think that the stickers that everyone had on their shoulders was not hurting. <laughs> no, the stickers are amazing. They're from our friend. So the name comes, Gonzo's Red Nips, comes from our friend Gonzo who run the marathon. And he said, hey, brew me a red ale. And uh, it was like November, so we we're like, let's make it a pumpkin red ale. So when he showed up at mile 22 near my house, we made sure we had a whole pint of beer for him to drink. And he stumbled all the way to the finish. So what did you guys make last? Uh, the last time that last you were here, year we did a uh, a black IPA, and then three years ago we had a smoked red ale, which was really good with the barbecue they used to have. But um, I think this uh, this beer specifically appealed to um, uh, the crowd that came here today, and everybody loves fall, you know. So that's what's important. That's so funny. This is like the first good spring day we've had in a while. Yeah. Um, also, so this is like. Most pumpkin beers don't really taste like pumpkin. This really does. You think the pumpkin puree had something to do with it? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people roast their pumpkin when they usually do it. 
and I've done it both ways. It's kind of, the pumpkin really just kind of gives it that earthy flavor. Um, you know, when you think of pumpkin beers, it's typically the spices. And, uh, you know, I think using the puree added a, we bought good organic pumpkin puree that helped out and used a lot of it. So uh, it came out really good. Uh, hopefully next year with the beer we put in, we'll do even better. How much pumpkin puree versus how much um, of a batch did you make? Um, we used 10 uh, 16 ounce cans of organic pumpkin puree. Uh, and I think it was a 10 gallon batch. So I can't really remember the uh, grain bill off the top of my head. I feel like it was a pretty high grain bill actually, like almost like 27 pounds, so. Yeah, it was gonna be heavier than it, like, yeah. It ended up being a little lighter than we had planned, yeah. yeah which is better, I think. Um, Do you feel like you're transported into October? A little bit. I kind of wish I wasn't because I'm very happy that spring is finally here. My name's Ian Harper and I'm pouring a pre-prohibition porter called the promotion porter because that's the opposite of prohibition. I like it. I like it a lot. Can you tell me a bit about how you made it? A friend of mine bought me the history of porters and stouts and I found the oldest recipe in the book and I recreated it. Okay, um, tell me a little bit about, about that recipe. So, on Porter Street, it's a back alley in London between two of the major uh, shopping streets. Porters were the guys who schlepped heavy shit and didn't get paid uh, very much at all. So a man uh, at the Three Kings Pub supposedly took two-thirds of his brown ale, aged it for six months, and then married it to one-third of his brown ale to make a stronger brown ale that the porters could drink and get fucked up with the rest of the people. And I support everybody of any kind of monetary means being able to get a little fucked up. How old is this recipe? Uh, a little over a hundred years. Probably about 130. It was the 1800s when it was made. Uh, I want to say 1860s. So you guys are pouring from bottles. Did you make that decision um, intentionally versus a keg? We live in a Brooklyn apartment, so I can't fit kegging and um, woodworking slash brewing. I made all of the crates myself with hand tools. Oh my god. They're like beautifully jigsawed together. I use uh, dovetails, the oldest known wood joinery that the ancient Sumerians and Egyptians use. It's time tested and very good. Wait, I have a question. So you guys are specifically like Greenwood Cemetery is our neighborhood. What? <laughs> Please explain. Well, we're not real estate agents, so we're not going to lie and say we're in uh, Sunset Heights or Slope South. The original, the original uh, Greenwood Cemetery was supposed to be square, but they cut into it so that people could live there who worked in the cemetery. Hundreds of years later, uh, they rented it to people. And we saved a little bit of money on it. So you live like next to the cemetery? Literally across the street from the pyramid. If you tour the cemetery between uh, uh, 6th Avenue and uh, 20th Street, there's a lovely pyramid that has every deity from every religion because I guess they were covering all their bases. It's our, it's the view out of our living room window. 
Wow. Um, how long have you been brewing for? A little over six years. And um, how do you feel about what you've made today? I'm very proud of it. My name is Travis. Matt. Kathleen. It's a Belgian chocolate stout. It's a Belgian chocolate stout? Can you tell me about the process of how you made it? We uh, use Belgian yeast, we use Godiva chocolate, and um, like very dark, like chocolate malts, things that made it like a stout, malt-wise. Are you representing a homebrew club or a group or anything? Uh, NYC Resistor. They a hacker are. space, electronics. Yeah, what, what kind of Godiva chocolate? This was uh, Godiva's, they, they sell a nice can of dark chocolate cocoa powder. We used half of it. I believe it's about eight ounces in total. Eight ounces per, how much is the batch? Five gallons. Um, can I try it? Do you make a lot of stouts? I do more stouts, but Travis made most of the recipe. So I, I helped, but this is phenomenal. Yeah, where did this recipe come from? Uh, just invented, kind of, just, just Very made it up. Our son, we, I'm his wife, our son's Christmas stocking. I put dark chocolate and oranges in his Christmas stocking and I emptied it onto the table and Travis was looking at all of it and he's like, chocolate and orange would make a great beer. You should go for it. She does all the work. We just make the beer. Um, how long have you guys been brewing for? Uh, we actually determined we've been doing this now for uh, four years. Together for four years. Yeah, so we've been in every one of the Pride of Brooklyn's, uh, Matt and I, for four years. Um, is this your favorite recipe that you've made for Pride of Brooklyn? That's a tough one. Um, so last year we did a, a Scotch Ale. The year before that we did... Last year was my favorite. Yeah, the Manhattan Special Stout? No, they, well, maybe the rhubarb wheat. Oh, the rhubarb wheat one. Yeah, that was actually a very fun beer. Yeah. I actually made a sour beer that did get third place on the very first uh, Pride of Brooklyn. Competition was not quite as stiff. Very cool. So what made you decide to do a stout this year? Well, you know, I think it was just a general concept where we had thought of um, the idea of a Belgian ale and a chocolate stout. And the Belgians are obviously very good at beer and uh, chocolate. So we combined the two and uh, came up with this concept of a Belgian chocolate stout. And actually, it's another, you know, it's, you don't see them too often, rarely, but uh, Castile makes a very nice Belgian chocolate stout. Castile Brewery, if you ever run across it, it's a very nice Belgian chocolate stout. Now, you guys are representing Gowanus. I have to ask if you used any of the Gowanus Canal water in your brew. <laughs> There's no Gowanus Canal water in our brewery. We didn't want to kill anyone. Our yeast is not staph infections. However, I will say this, we did not get to cold crash our beer because our refrigerator broke, so the water is alive. There is yeast in the water. Oh my god. Alright, does the yeast from the beer can, like eat the yeast from the water though? With beer, there's two ways to produce yeast. Belgians love actually doing a pour out of the yeast on the top of their Belgian ales. That's completely normal. You don't generally want yeast in a beer in the United States. You want a clean beer, but Belgian doesn't care. Uh, my name is Yuri, and I am pouring some uh, Imperial Stout. 
Tell me about a little bit about how you made this stove. Sure. So I just have a little stovetop system, um, you know, fermented in a small stainless conical, um, kind of standard homebrew stuff. And how did you make this? Basically, what I was going for was um, an imperial stout that was going to be kind of at the bottom of the spectrum for that style. I didn't want it to be super syrupy and super strong. I kind of was trying to make it like the kind of thing you could have two of. So I, um, every, all of the kind of metrics are on the lower side of the scale. So it's only 8.2 ABV, only about 50 IBUs. Um, and it's, it came out like kind of clean and nice. It, like it didn't need a ton of aging. So you're representing Crow Hill Brewery. Can you tell me a little bit about Crow Hill? Sure. So um, Crow Hill Brewery is uh, just kind of a small group of friends who brew beer together. Um, we started brewing like almost a decade ago now, and we've been kind of doing a handful of events and things like that. Um, we're all in Crown Heights. That's kind of uh, the backstory, I suppose. So what makes it a Russian Imperial Stout versus a regular Imperial Stout? Uh, I guess that, that's sort of a semantic thing. I think the history of the Imperial Stout is one that implies that it was a British style that was shipped to the Russian Empire um, in the 19th century or whatever century that was. Um, and that's kind of where the name kind of persists. But Imperial Stout just kind of goes back to that heritage, I suppose. And uh, what made you decide to brew an Imperial Stout today? That's a funny story. I guess um, I, I have a friend who recently tried to clone the um, Bourbon County from uh, Goose Island. And um, he did such a nice job that I thought, like, hey, I've never really tried this style. I should give it a whirl. And this is the result. But I, I kind of I took my spin on it. It's definitely nothing like the Bourbon County. It doesn't have any sort of oak. It doesn't, um, it's not super heavy like that one. I went with, like, a lighter version. It's very classic. Like, it's very drinkable. It's, like pretty much like a good imperial stout. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's actually a lot of what I was going for is uh, something that I feel like you can have two of even though it's on technically on the imperial side, yeah. I'm Brian Zimmerman and I'm making a nice simple brown ale. Fantastic. How long have you been brewing for? I've been brewing about eight years and I've loved the whole thing between brewing and cidering the whole like damn it. You make ciders too. I do make some hard ciders, absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit about those? Oh, the hard ciders, I like a nice hard cider, but a little higher in alcohol value. So my ciders run about 9%. So I like to add like cranberries or oak bourbon or a little bit of like subtle flavors to them. Um, do you get local ciders or do you like press the apple? It's all local cider, brewed, uh, pushed on Long Island. They, they take it, non-pasteurized, comes right back to me. So tell me a little bit about how you made what um, this symbol said. A simple brown, it's a multi-beer, not a lot of hops, well-balanced, that's drinkable. At a 6.4, you'll get drunk quickly. That sounds great. Um, what's the inspiration for what you made today? Uh, the inspiration for the brown ale, I love brown ales, and there's so many different like iterations of it. I wanted to make something where you could really just drink, sit back, drink it in all seasons. Some people think a brown ale is only for winter time or fall, but this is a brown ale you can drink all, all the time. You've been over six years. Um, is this your first time at uh, Pride of Brooklyn? Yes, it is. How are you enjoying it so far? Oh my God, it was a great time. Everybody was amazing. 
From the brewers to the people coming up to the, to the booth, amazing people. Love the place. I'll definitely come back. It's been pretty cool. Have you done any other competitions? I've done other competitions and stuff, but this is by far the best one I've done. So I'm here with Casey Soloff, who is the uh, head of the Pride of Brooklyn Homebrew Festival. So what made you decide to uh, start this homebrew festival? Uh, well, about, I guess it was six years ago now. Um, I was homebrewing pretty regularly. I don't do it so much anymore. But um, I met a lot of great people through the community. And at the time, there weren't a ton of events like it. And um, I have a history of putting on events like in college and stuff like that, so it's something I wanted to get back into. It seemed like a natural fit, and uh, the community, like once you invite other people, um, one person tells another person, and before long you're just, everybody knows about it. So it's been six years, and um, everybody's pretty great. Everything, you know, it's, it's, it gets easier and easier every year because everybody knows about it. That's pretty cool. So what do you think sets Pride of Brooklyn apart from other Humber festivals? Uh, definitely that we don't take ourselves too seriously. I think there's a lot of events that, and that's not in a bad, I don't mean that in a bad way, that take themselves seriously. I think homebrewing can be taken very seriously. Um, a lot of my friends are obviously serious homebrew nerds, and that's great. They make some incredible beers, and they should be, you know, there should be competitions where they're judged for that kind of stuff. But um, I think Pride of Brooklyn sets itself apart by just um, having fun. We don't really have any kind of categories, we just invite people to do whatever they want, we're focused more on creativity, I think our marketing is really fun. Um, so yeah, I think I think that, that's kind of what we focus on and that's kind of the feedback that we get every year is that they, people really appreciate that, that we don't take ourselves too seriously and it's not like a hardcore, die-hard homebrewers competition, it's just about making really creative beers, coming out and having fun. So thinking back to the first year, how has the, how has the competition kind of changed in, um, until now? Um, every year we do something a little bit differently. I think our promotions have changed a lot. I think we're getting more into social media. I think we're relying that now, on that now um, to draw people in. Like normally about five, six years ago when we were doing this, we were going around to different bars and different shops and we were postering, we were flyering, we were trying to get the word out that way. Um, these past few years, our biggest draw has come from our social media presence, which is really interesting. Um, other than that, every year we try to do something a little bit differently. Uh, we try to give the brewers something different. We try to give the people something different. In general, the spirit, I think, is the same. It's just a fun way to bring people together in the community. And um, I don't know. People love drinking beer. So in, in general, it's stayed the same. But every year, we do something a little bit different. Have uh, you ever brewed anything for this competition? Not for my own competition. No, I wouldn't do that. I don't think that's pretty fair. But um, I've brewed for other competitions in the past. Again, it's been a long time. And... Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun while it lasted, but I would end up with 50 bottles of beer, and I wasn't drinking 50 bottles of beer, so it became, uh, I, I, I figure like we're in an area where there's tons of, you know, breweries around, there's tons of great beers available on every corner. Um, I didn't need to be doing something that my heart wasn't into. Um, like some of the, you know, our, our competitors, their hearts are really into it. They're diehard homebrew nerds, they know everything about it. Um, I wasn't finding that I had that passion, so... I kind of laid off of that and just focused on the event side. And I think people love it. People, I, I get nothing but positive feedback every year. People just say they really enjoy it, from the brewers to the actual people. Um, and my favorite thing is seeing people come back with shirts from previous years. When I see somebody from a shirt from two, three years ago, it just makes me so happy that they've you know, remembered it and come back and enjoyed it that much. So. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks very much for coming out.
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.